0: Welcome, my name is Kareem Kanji and this is episode 46. Today, I speak with the award-winning journalist, 2012 Queen's Diamond Jubilee Medal recipient and weekend news anchor for Global News, Angie Seth. In today's episode, we talk about her early work with Omni Television, working at CBC Radio, running the Boston Marathon, her biggest news stories, and why her Twitter handle is at katie goley enjoy live from
1: pacific junction hotel girth
0: radio in session
1: This is pretty exciting. Uh, I've done radio before, but it's always been news. So sitting here and being on the other side of the mic and getting asked the questions is nothing that I'm overly used to. I'm always used to asking the questions. So I apologize if I end up asking you some questions. That <laughs> which is I good. I do, which I very is, well might do because people fascinate me, that is, and I think that's why I've, I've become a journalist. Well, that's people that's, and issues
0: fascinate me. That's why I have. Um, you know, one of the reasons I have this so so the podcast is called Welcome, mm-hmm. and um, I'm just getting I'm getting a logo design. So the guy asked me, you know, what is your podcast about? Right. Um, so I said, really, I, I just try to have interesting conversations with interesting people. Yeah. And and then that's it. And then and yeah. then hopefully you know it's it's something that um, I'll enjoy for um, an hour, mm-hmm. um, and that other people will enjoy. Yeah. Uh, as well.
1: Well, it's interesting learning about other people and what other people do. I mean, it's like especially with us in the media, you have there's a particular um, judgment. or Because they see you doing a particular thing, whether it's reporting a story or you're behind the news desk. So, yeah. oh, well, she must be very um, serious and, and you know whatnot, whereas my colleagues would say that's the complete opposite. <laughs> but, you know, it's your level of professionalism, right? true, so, true. So true. this is kind of a neat way in terms of what you're doing to get... People to know about people yeah for sure so
0: Jay's game tonight
1: yes are, are I you gonna like
0: run out of here just before head home
1: you know well here's the here's the fun thing is we have three kids one's older two of them are much younger and our uh, evenings are chaotic with getting Homework and baths and dinner and all that craziness stuff. But that might be on in the background. Yeah. Or it'll be, all right, let's see if we can turn it on now and actually be able to watch. How old is your eldest? She's 21.
0: Is she at home right now? She's like at home.
1: She's, she's going to university. She's you can't, at like, at pay
0: here. Like, it's tonight is your night to do work.
1: We well, you know what? She's also, uh, she also plays hockey on the Youth 2 Women's Varsity team. Oh, wow. Team. So she's one of their goalies. Is so, she playing tonight? Uh, no, they're not playing. They don't have a game tonight. Okay. So, but she's class tonight. But she's class. <laughs> <laughs> she's class till 9 o'clock.
0: So you, you, you can't lean so on her. We and can't s-
1: lean on her. But, you know, and it's, and all, now, now all the kids are in school. So the two younger ones as well. How so
0: old now. are your youngest?
1: Uh, six and four.
0: Oh wow! So we have so a so four spread. is like preschool or.
1: Uh yeah, JK. Oh so JK he's in, now he's just started JK. Full day JK. Full day JK. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so that was uh, that was interesting. So I have to ask you about <laughs>
0: your Twitter account.
1: Sure. <laughs> so Katie <you>, Goalie. <laughs> so yeah,
0: because that's not
1: your name. No, but it's my daughter's name. And she's a goalie, and I've been a hockey mom since she was six. Oh,
0: so your daughter's name is Katie, yeah, and Katie, she's at she's Katie goalie. goalie.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, did you set it up for her to
1: eventually? No, no. Oh, it's okay. So here's the backstory. Yeah. Um, when I was working uh, at Omni, and I was doing, you know, anchoring and reporting and stuff, but I had a couple of interesting fans, stalkers. Oh. Uh, in, that would come to the station and those that would put stuff on Facebook. And this was obviously before Twitter. Uh, so some of them would kind of, you know, find you and then you would try and block them. So we had some issues. So when I decided to start Twitter, I thought, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump on there, but I'm not going to jump on there as my own name. Wow. And that was just to sort of stave away. And I, we've, we've still had a few issues, but we've been okay. Now, how
0: do you... That I mean, that's something that I've never had to deal with. And I would bet that most men... You know, unless you're running for public office, mm. or you're pitching tonight and don't do well, yeah. <laughs> we'll never have to face um, shame or criticism online um, like that.
1: You know what? It. I think the problem is, is when you are in the spotlight and you're on television, or you're on, or even if you're on the radio, and you're 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 talking about something that matters to a lot of people, how you say it. Um, the words that you might use, e- you know, even mispronunciation. I mean, we even get, and, and I think guys and girls, maybe girls more, more, more women, mm-hmm. um, you can get criticized everything from your hair to the way you speak to the outfits that you wear.
0: Guys never get what that. What have you.
1: Guys, well, they've got, you know, it's kind of the classic uniform. Yeah. Uh, and guys can, might have a little bit more leeway, whereas women have had to sort of push their way in there and sort of prove themselves over and over again. Mm. Uh, but uh, but so so when you have something like what happened we, with me, you got a couple of stalkers that yeah, two of them were guys, one was a girl that they just sort of push themselves on you, and then they start. Relaying things where they're, when you don't respond to them, they start getting angry, then you're like, okay, I just need to, Wow. I need to, I need to figure out how we walk away from this yeah, and not yeah. have them get connected. So.
0: so, do you block them now on Twitter if anyone sort of is, is really. Yeah, yeah? Oh,
1: yeah, I found someone who was, following, who was emailing me and then blocked him on email and, uh, and then he found me on Instagram. So, I've blocked him on Instagram. Oh, my goodness. So it's, uh, so you, but you know what, in this day and age, yeah. you're on social media, at some point, someone can find you. You just have to be smart about it.
0: So how do you talk to your daughter about this stuff now?
1: I, but well, we've got two girls and a boy, so yeah. we actually talked to all three of them about it. And the older one, um, she's a smart girl. Yeah. Um, she pretty much can hold her own, but she knows. We, we, really, we really talk about the bro code. So if she's out... Um, Which a lot of the times when she's out, she's out with her hockey team. Okay. Uh, We do the bro code and uh, the team sticks with the team, boys and girls. And she's had a couple of situations where she was at a bar. Uh, They were all out and a guy wanted to buy her a drink and she politely said no. He asked her again. She politely said no. And then he got aggressive with her and... Called her a, a term that uh, yeah. that you know many women do not like. Sure. And in, funny enough, she was ready to sort of say, do you want to take it outside? <laughs> at that what? point in time, her 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 teammates noticed that there was a little something happening at the bar, and the male teammates also noticed. So girls stood behind her and said, "It's all right, it's all right, Katie. Let's just let's just walk away from it." And she's like, "No, you don't you don't refer to me that way. You don't refer to any woman that way." And the men decided to say, "We'll we'll take them outside and we'll just you know." He's done here. We'll we'll walk him out, and that you know you never you never you you sort of have everybody else's back. You don't go anywhere alone. She knows, even though she's twenty one, she knows that I need to know where is she. She's there. She's safe. Who's she with? Uh, Not because I don't trust her. Sure, it's just that because that we we have that communication. And the same goes for me. If I'm if I've come home late from being somewhere, she's like. Where were you? Yeah. You didn't text. You didn't say that you were coming late. What's the deal? You said you'd be home at 930. It's 11 o'clock. What's going on? Well, you so. and your
0: daughter have an interesting dynamic because you guys, you guys grew up together.
1: Pretty much. Yeah. yeah we did. And we actually, <laughs> people will probably find this is really funny. So I don't know if you know the show Gilmore Girls.
0: No. Okay.
1: Well, it's a show about Everyone's a mother tweeting and daughter.
0: There's stuff happening in the city. Well,
1: because they, they, they're coming back with six new shows. Okay. So this is a this is a series that she and I started watching together. And a lot of anyone else that's watched it goes, oh, my God, you're like the mom and she's the daughter. And we have that okay. um, relationship where m- my husband often laughs and says we must share a brain because uh, we finish each other's sentences. I can start on a very random thought and she will be the only one that gets it um and everyone else will be like how did you and she's like oh yeah mom was talking about this and she we started with this you know she was referring to the snake and then you talked about uh leather boots and then we went from here to there and that's why we were talking about the python in the zoo <laughs> and, and and everyone would go what and she goes, oh never mind you know mom and i we, we kind of get it wow we get it so we have that that kind of sense about each other and uh that's so neat so you know yeah so she's a, she's a good kid so
0: i've got a 10 year old yes um turning 11 in march when is like, let me ask you, because you've got a 21 year old, so you've gone, th- you've gone through stuff <laughs> with her, a lot of stuff. you know, whether it is, you know, at, at what age do you stop driving her to school or dropping her to the bus? You know, when did she start taking the bus? Like, I'm like, when is a good time?
1: See, you know what? I think it comes down to when you really feel comfortable that, that with them in terms of what they know what to do.
0: Huh.
1: Um, we've had it, we had situations when Katie was a, a, a girl, a, a, a young student. We had a guy that showed up at the school asking young girls if they wanted to be in the Sears catalog. Well, Sears doesn't send mm. reps over to the school. Um, Katie and I would have a, a secret code, so, um, which was your secret word. So she and I were the only ones that knew the secret word. The teacher knew the secret word. And if I wasn't picking her up from school that day, but somebody else was, only they knew the secret word. So if perhaps my sister was coming that day to pick her up and that was a quick change and we didn't communicate all the information, she wouldn't go and the school wouldn't let her go. And it was, it was developing an understanding for her to say, it's not that I don't trust you. Yeah. It's what I may not trust around you. So as long as I know that you get that and you know what you would need to do with regards to that. Yeah. We're okay. Classic example is she was at Kipling Subway Station. Uh, It was late, about 10 o'clock or so. Coming home, uh, I believe it was from a hockey practice. uh, And she uh, called us and said, I'm in the bathroom in Kipling, and there's a guy following me. Mm. And the guy apparently started talking to her on the subway, wanted to know her name, and just started following her. She was able to deke into the bathroom, called us and said, I need you to come pick me up. And which, rightly so, we did. But your heart just stopped going... It's late at night. Kipling is one of those subway stations yeah. that's pretty much, you know, it's isolated and there really isn't a lot of people around there. And here I'm thinking she's in the bathroom. She could potentially be trapped in there. Yeah. Fortunately, was able to get out and, uh, and meet us outside, but uh, she did all the right things, that's is amazing. what she did. And that was me saying, all right, you know, she knows. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that's good. And I hope that we don't have any of those situations in the future. Sure. But she knows. And now my younger one, our middle one, Maya, it's the same kind of thing that we teach her those types of things as well to say, even if your uncle comes to pick you up and Mummy hasn't said so, yeah, you don't go. And it's, and it's just her understanding that this is what the rule is. This is what the trust factor wow. is. Because circumstances can happen that the child doesn't know about. The parent does. And hence we talk. And I mean, honestly, though, <laughs> I'm jaded. In the business that I'm in, I'm very, very jaded. And I'm very, very suspicious. And I'm constantly yeah. people watching and even saying you know what something's going on over there and it doesn't look right and my husband would go what are you talking about I go just the man's mannerisms just the way he's talking to the individual or that mm-hmm. woman or whatnot. something seems a little bit off and uh, you know but I think we're as a journalist with the stuff that you cover and the yeah. situations that you've been in. You've seen stuff. <laughs> you see, yeah, we've seen a lot of stuff that we don't let other viewers see and yeah. you kind of try mm. and walk away from it. Wow. Um, sometimes you bring it home with you, yeah. and that's when it's important to have a partner who can sit and listen and just let you talk it out. Um, and other times we we're, were able to slide it off our backs. But, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff that we don't let cool. the average public see for obvious reasons. Nice, so nice. Yeah.
0: Um, we'll, we'll get back to more family stuff, yes. <laughs> but um, you've you've you know part of my research staff. They went out and they 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 did research, and um, it's me myself and I, I is, was gonna is, say, is the team, the threesome, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, you've spent the majority of, her, of, I guess, all your adult life in in media, in yeah, in, pretty... in broadcasting. Yeah.
1: Well, before I got into broadcasting, uh, I'm a runner, and I love running, and mm. I've done a few marathons, and was organizing road races, and uh, which was a lot of fun, and which was different and unique. Um, and it was neat coming it from a perspective of a runner in terms of the ty- types of things that you would want on a course, you would want in an event. But I was dealing with the media a lot, ah. so you kind of had an idea of, you know, this is what they're going to want, this is what they would prefer, here's what the great shot is, and then that sort of spilled into me sort of following into, uh, onto the media scene. But uh, yeah, before that, it was, uh, it was sort of taking what I loved to do and having a job out of it, really, and I did that for about two or three years before I uh, got into broadcast.
0: Were, you, were your parents in media
1: or no, were, my they, were they marathon
0: runners? Doctors.
1: My parents are doctors. Both of them runners Of in... course, you're
0: Indian, so they had to.
1: <laughs> and my sister's a doctor. <laughs> Boom, there you go. <laughs> are,
0: are they disappointed in you? <laughs> you?
1: No, 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 no. I think they originally they want... They would, would have loved it if I was a lawyer. Okay. Uh, because I love to argue and ask questions. And... Um, but I... And, and that was initially what the passion was, but then I said, I go, unless I can be in a courtroom and I'm under pressure and I'm in the thick of it all, Yeah, I'm not as interested anymore. Well,
0: you did study poli-sci. Uh,
1: I did study poli-sci and I did find it fascinating, hence why I asked so many questions about why does the government do this and why can't we do that and why are the policies this way and why is it that every time we have a new government coming in, there's so many promises, but when it comes down to questioning about those promises, mm-hmm. they don't have the answer. It's like they've got a handbook of political answers that they give you and they flip. To through it and they go oh page 93 this is the answer that i have to give yeah. and it really kind of drove me crazy that um when i did get into broadcast one of the great opportunities was asking many a minister and prime minister to say so you talked about reducing your immigration numbers in the backlog they've gone up what happened well so you guys screwed up essentially and you finally get them to say well we made a mistake and he said okay well you did <laughs> are you gonna fix it yeah you gotta fix it because this isn't working so, yeah.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Um, wow, well, there's there's lots of things I want to ask you about different issues. Sure. Um, and, and I'm, I'm going to sort of sprinkle that in here. Um, but w- when you started at Omni, mm-hmm. I guess a few years after you graduated, you uh, I'm assuming you, you graduated, you started or- organizing racing. Yeah, we did that Races, a little bit uh, and
1: then jumped into the…
0: Uh, you, you got into media. Yeah. Um, you started doing… Entertainment shows around Southeast Asian entertainment and culture. Yeah,
1: well, the one the great thing about Omni was um, you had, I'll call it a sm- a big shop in in a small medium, if you will. So we had all these different shows that we were doing, um, but you had a small crew. So essentially, when I started at Omni, I started off as a reporter. From there, I was also then producing. And jumped into entertainment shows that I was producing and writing for and doing some reporting for. And then um, after that, uh, you know, uh, you sort of started moving into more reporting. And I I liked doing sort of more the hardcore reporting. September 11th hit, and boom, everything changed. All of a sudden, you were – and I remember that day very, very specifically. I was at home. And my husband, who I was dating at the time, called me and said, "Where are you? Where are you right now? You've got to turn on the TV. Are you going into work today?" She said, "Well, yeah, I'm going into work." He goes, "You've got to turn on the TV. You've got you've got to look and see what's happening." Yeah. And we we watched it all happening on, on television. And all I remember my mother saying was, "You can't go to you can't go to work today. You can't. You have to stay home. Don't go to work today." And because um, she was afraid, she was afraid of what might happen because. We were uh, a South Asian uh, news... I was working for a South Asian newscast. And she was so terrified that we were going to be labeled or we were going to be targeted or someone was going to get mad because I asked the wrong question mm. or I was going to be sent somewhere that potentially could not have been safe. She was panicking, I think, like a lot of people ended up doing. Yeah. And there were so many questions. And it was the weirdest thing because that the first day, the newsroom is bustling, and the first day I end up continuing on a story that I had already been pre-assigned to do about a chef who was Indian and could fuse Indian and Italian food. And the cameraman and I kept looking at each other going, this is so wrong as I'm pulling the dough and kneading it and and (laughs) putting this pizza together. And we're like, this is so wrong. And then the next day, your life changed. You went to the border. You went to different mosques. You were talking about we were going to Windsor and talking about families that were being racially profiled. And all of a sudden, your world became about this one thing that had happened and how it was unraveling from there and, and the questions. And, and it it um, you it changed my whole perspective in terms of me wanting to ask the questions why, but also ask the questions, why is it okay to stereotype? Huh. Because of the actions of a small group of people yeah. that aren't even here. But now all of a sudden, I, w- I grew up being... Labeled and uh, discriminated against, and um, because of the color of my skin, and then you got away from that, and now you were coming full for f- you know right right back again to, to the same point. You're going, I don't get it, but they but we didn't do anything, but apparently we did. Huh. So it became my <laughs> an opportunity for me to say, okay, I want to We need to hear voices. We need to hear those voices that are involved in this. We need to hear the voices that are being affected by this. Um, and we need to put those voices out there. And afterwards, you were thrown into everything yeah. uh, from that point.
0: You must so. have spoken with a lot of angry people soon after. We spoke with a lot of angry on both, people. On bo- I, want to, I don't want to say both sides because there really isn't a side.
1: No, no, right? there wasn't. But, I mean, lots of members from the Afghan community were concerned. Um, the, the, the entire debate and the entire questioning of a woman wearing a niqab or a hijab or or any type of garment that all of a sudden looked too different for us became an issue when you could say essentially a week ago no one really cared but now they did and one of the saddest stories i did was about a young girl in the in a high school she wore a hijab Mm -hmm. walking down the hallway and a kid went right up to her punched her right in the face and called her a terrorist and walked away and she had no idea why yeah and that those were the stories that we were doing about families who were living in their communities for years and all of a sudden they were being labeled and they didn't know why they didn't know what they did wrong yeah uh but we also jumped into it with 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 both feet with getting in, involved with some of those individuals that were potentially involved, that yeah. were living here as Canadian citizens. Oh. And we met with them. The Jader family is a, is, a, is yes, an example of yes, that. Yes, and yes, I yes. met with all of them. Um, and we, we talked. We did interviews. We, we uh, learned about many different things. And as a journalist, y- you want to get the story. So you develop a relationship with so many different people. And we were never criticized for it, saying, oh, well, you're friends with, you know, so-and-so and and oh my gosh they are you know they are a potential quote terrorist i mean we're not here to label our job is to give the story in a very balanced way and then offer that to the viewer or the listener or reader what have you sure and have them form whatever opinion they would like our job is to get all sides uh but we made it made a commitment to jump in both feet first and say okay we're going to talk to everybody and we are going to ask the question were you involved why were you involved? Why is this okay? Yeah. Why is that not okay?
0: What did you learn talking to the uh, to Omar Khadr's family?
1: You know, it was interesting. Uh, and did you s-
0: did you speak? I'm assuming you probably spoke with them after Omar was caught.
1: I spoke with them before. No, this is oh, all befo- before. Oh wow! So if you remember the brother Abdurrahman, mm-hmm. um, he this th- he was the one that started opening up about his family. Okay. Uh, Karim was one who uh, is currently in the wheelchair uh, and then there's the mother and the grandmother and the sister uh, Omar, uh, w- I ended up doing sort of an article about him Omar I never got a chance to talk to since he was in Guantanamo the entire time but I did speak with uh, a number of journalists who okay. had the opportunity to, to speak with him very interesting, We found a family that was quite divided uh, in terms uh. of what it is that they wanted to do um, and the father was very much, uh, I guess, the leader for them, as would be in any type sure. of families, the mother and the father. And there was a level of desperation. There was a level of confusion. There was a level of where many people thought that they were being taken. They were, they were taking advantage of. And what was interesting for me is be able to be sort of that fly on the wall perspective and be able to sort of see how all of this was playing out. And. Uh, you could kind of ask them the hard question and say, do you believe in what was happening? Do you believe in, 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 in sort of, you know, the, the, quote, cause, if you will? And you got those answers. Um, and I think it was because you developed a trust factor. What did they say? Them. Well, Abdurrahman was, was telling us that he was pretty much against everything that his father had done. Uh, we know that um, his sister was uh, pretty much, she, she was very open with being anti-American. Okay, uh, which is which
0: is different than yeah. being pro terrorist, correct? Yeah, or pro correct. violence. Yes. Yeah,
1: and um, I mean, and I think at that time as well, we were also trying to figure out and learn so much about who the Taliban were at that sure, time. Sure. Yeah. Who was this group, and how everything has evolved now uh, in terms of the Taliban, uh, in terms of ISIS, you know, uh, et cetera, and. What we what came out of all of this, in the end, in a nutshell, is you're dealing with a a community of individuals who are lost, who aren't don't have that sense of belonging, whether it is in Canada or whether it's in the United States or what have you, and they look. It's like a a teenager who can be easily influenced in the high school to do to start smoking. So they're lost because it's
0: not their culture. They feel like an other.
1: They feel like they're Yeah, they 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 don't feel connected to who they are with it whether it's within school within society et cetera, and often a lot of young youth and i think that still exists uh today feel like they live in two different worlds they have their cultural world which is at home uh. and they have the western world which is outside of their home and they're trying to figure out how do i merge those two so i can kind of live both and we often did a lot of stories with teens i remember doing a series with teenagers And we talked to one girl who literally lived two lives. She left the house dressed one way, she'd get to school and she'd dress a different way, and then she'd change again and go back home. And it was very, Mm. but she didn't know how to merge the two. Yeah. And felt that the parents would understand if she wanted to merge the two. Your point was for you to study, you weren't to talk to boys, you know, which, you know, we can, I mean, we all can relate to, you know, coming from that culture. But, um, what was needed was that conversation. And then down the road, we had the conversation with mom and dad who said, well, we're willing to have the conversation because they've realized our children are now living in a different kind of society from where we came from. Uh, but the up flip side to it is, was there was that concern of going back to being stereotyped and labeled to say, well, you must come from a very backward tradition. And, I mean, I was born in Canada. Yeah, I, was, I didn't immigrate to Canada. My parents came here in the 70s. And growing up here, we were the only, as we would call it, you know, South Asian family, brown family that was living on our street in Mississauga, and everybody knew about it. Yeah. And everybody, you know, they, we had stuff carved in our, in our fence saying, you know, so-and-sos live here. And we were like, what? What do you mean? I don't understand, you know? <laughs> and then those kinds of things, you know, you, di- you didn't get as a kid. But as an adult, you kind of go, okay, I kind of get it. And yeah. I think sometimes those stereotypes and that labeling comes just out of fear or a lack of information, um, or a lack of understanding, and when I was at Omni, part of our job was to say, "Let's see if we can open up that box of understanding and get people to go, oh, okay, I get it, I get it."
0: Do you do you think you you brought that to, you know after talking with the Cotter family, like?
1: Um, I don't think not with them. Yeah. Um, it was a really. Uh, it was, a really, it was a fine line, but I think when we talked to other members within the Muslim community, when we talked to other members you know, within the Hindu community and the Sikh community, um, who have all faced that level of, uh, of sure. labeling and misunderstanding and, and whatnot, um, that when we spoke with those people and there became this sense of community where it's like, we're celebrating Diwali or we're celebrating Ramadan or uh, y- you know, come to our Gurdwara and, and see what it is we do. A number of people would realize and say, wow, we would kind of do some of the same stuff too. Whether it's in a Christian, you know, in the Protestant sure. church or in the Catholic church or, or in a synagogue, we have a lot of the same values. Uh, and there were certain things that they understood in terms of the, the, the commonalities. And that was like, oh, that's really interesting. We are more alike than we, than we realize. Mm-hmm. And we find that our the reaction that we might see in the media over tragedy and whatnot tends to overshadow and label all over again what is in fact a very common thread that we have among all of us, and I think, hence that multiculturalism in Canada, we say that we are a multicultural society, but yeah. multicultural in so far that we actually can weave that multiculturalism within our own cultures, and Canadian is probably a mix of uh, of things when we when we want to try and define ourselves.
0: It's interesting you, 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 you say that because there's... I, I don't remember her name off the top of my head. But she's running for leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada. And one of the things that's on her platform um, is that there should be some sort of Canadian... Uh, is it culture test or some... Oh, <laughs> you,
1: yeah. You know I, who I'm referring to? I, I do, and her name is on the tip of my tongue. Uh, I'm going to find in it here.
0: It's a great thing about these t- computers.
1: I guess to define and test Kelly Leach. Kelly are. Leach? Yeah. I think. I might so.
0: be mispronouncing her name. But she wants to have a Canadian values debate.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? And so when immigrants come, you know, they have to prove they have the same values that are quote unquote Canadian.
1: So here's the question then is how do we define Canadian values?
0: Yeah. Which, which is interesting, yeah. right?
1: How do we define what a Canadian How do we define is a Canadian someone who says please and thank you? That lets you win when you're in traffic. Um, that no. you, that you, <laughs> is a Canadian someone that that bump that where a person bumps into you, but you're the person that says, "I'm sorry." Yeah. Um, you know, that's what, like a beer
0: commercial, right? That's, this it right is, that's what it sounds we're like, playing right? Playing
1: it out just before the baseball game, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I guess that that's really the question that needs to come back to her: is define for me what a Canadian is.
0: But the interesting thing about it, though, Angie, is is that. Um, from from the news that I've read mm-hmm. that she's one of the leaders now. Like she's, she's polling very high because there's this dissatisfaction in a, in a certain segment of, of, of in, in Canada mm-hmm.
1: that they don't think that immigrants that, that are... say,
0: that says that, yeah, you need to be like us. Right. You know, similar, similar to what is, what happened and continues to happen with right. with Colin Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. You know, there were tons of conservative media that told him, if you don't like it, go somewhere else.
1: Well, funny enough, he's a U.S. citizen, I believe, born and raised. Well, so of course, where he is he going to go? He's 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 home. Exactly. Uh, and I think in his case, he wasn't being anti-American. He was proving a point about a a a very uh, big problem that's happening within his country, within his society. Yeah. It's an issue that we need to talk about and we need to figure out how to solve. So a man sitting down during the American National Anthem got people talking, Yeah, right? And now it's got people kneeling and it's got people asking the question. The delicacy about that whole thing is let's hope that that message doesn't get marred with other types of activism yeah. in terms of those jumping on the bandwagon. And us being able to come right back to what was the point he was trying to make? So if we come back to Canadian values and who is a Canadian, what is a Canadian, we need to come back and say, so where, what is not a Canadian then? Define for me what is not a Canadian? And uh, that is a really big question because we, there's so many elements about ourselves um, that that are mixed within multiculturalism that define us as Canadians. Yeah. So I think we need to come back. I, I, don't, I don't think there's going to be an Oxford Dictionary definition of who a Canadian is.
0: No, and and it's, it's uh, sometimes I, I ask myself whether that is even the question mm-hmm. to ask.
1: I, th- I I I think
0: because there's such I think
1: v- I, and, and and I I love all of my American friends, but I think it's a very American question to ask.
0: Mm. It might be because there's there's something to be there's something to when when the Olympics are on, mm-hmm. and you're proud that the athlete uh, has a flag on their chest or uniform that is of the same flag that is on your passport. Right. You know, there's something to be said about, you know, being proud of a Canadian when she or he wins an an Olympic gold. Right. Uh, But that's totally different, uh, in my opinion, than, you know, trying to define or having a definition of this is what a Canadian is or this is what a Canadian does. Right. Um. Be- because I, th- I think there's harm in, in being so nationalistic when, when we're living in a, you know, for one point we're living in a, in a global society now. Absolutely. You know, where we're learning, no matter where you are in the world, you can learn from all over the world.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And right? I think we we prided ourselves on bringing elements of the world into our country mm-hmm. in the form of immigrants Uh, I know that there's been the ongoing debate about multiculturalism and has it it failed, has it not failed? I think it's been constantly redefined. Sure. Uh, But I I really... It's a very difficult path to take when you want to start defining who your society is going to be and then asking those that are now going to enter that society to say, based on this definition, you need to be more like us. Um, Yeah. And... It, it, I think it's a very dangerous path to take because we are starting to now separate ourselves. Uh, and I guess do we define someone who's Canadian as someone who's born here, or is it someone who's lived here
0: x amount of years? Right. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Uh, what does that flag mean to you? What does you know? What does the red and white mean to you? I think that's your per- that, that that's your own opinion, and I think we could all define what a Canadian is in so many different definitions. Sure. So
0: you have to like maple syrup
1: <laughs> beaver tails hockey <laughs> which you know what i've only had once
0: i don't get it's beaver too tails i do not get it <laughs> it's it's stuff on on, on a pita uh, bread
1: oh it's sugar on a pita bread that's Come all it on. is it's, just, it's, it's nothing it's fried out it's a fried up, fried up dough with sugar <laughs>
0: Ottawa has hoodwinked people into thinking that beaver tails is a thing. You know what though?
1: But they sell, and uh, if you go to Ottawa and you're on the canal, you gotta have a beaver
0: tail. And I've had a beaver tail, and I'm like, really? This, this.
1: My Ottawa friends would be very upset with you.
0: (laughs) You tell them to come talk to
1: Kareem At 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 Kanji on Twitter. Yeah, we're gonna do another blog.
0: (laughs) How how does your this this I'm very fascinated with. I'm I'm not a fan of, uh, of of hockey. Okay. For I don't know a bunch of reasons. One <gasps> of them one one of them being that the Leafs have never been good in my lifetime. <laughs> uh, that that might be one of them. <laughs> um, and and so my son obviously doesn't play. And I'm so happy that this year he finally said he wants to play baseball. Okay. So I'm nice. I'm, I'm so excited. Nice. Uh, for that. Um, but your daughter plays hockey. My daughter plays
1: hockey.
0: Your she parents does. are not from this country. No. This con. Where are your parents from?
1: They're from India. From
0: India, which yeah. is which is a hotbed of hockey, I've been told. Yeah. But the field variety. The field,
1: which I played in which high school. Which you played. I played field hockey in high school, and How'd, I was a runner. So uh, they,
0: <laughs> How does your daughter get into ice hockey?
1: Well, um, her dad, so my first, uh, my first husband uh-huh. uh, played hockey uh, in high school. And he got her out on the skates. And I get, I mean, we've, we, I've been, a, I'm a lover of hockey. He was a lover okay. of hockey. So that, that's. So her you're or, Canadian. I'm, I'm All right. Canadian. Here we go. <laughs> and um, said, hey, I want to get her into hockey. And I said, okay. And that's kind of going to be <laughs> your thing. It. Okay, if you want to get her. And it was interesting because getting her to skate at first, just like any child that was kicking and screaming. Yeah. And then she got the hang of it. And she started playing hockey when she was six. Wow. And when you start playing, um, pretty much the coach basically says, okay, we're just going to get you to try every you know, position. Sure, see sure. See what you like. Uh, so she was center, she was defense, and then the third time around they put her in net. And we, o- we often say that hockey players are born. They're not, uh, they're not kind of, you know, it's, it's not a, you're either born to love it or you're born to hate it. Yeah. She was a net. She came out after that game and just went up to her coach and pointed to the net and said, that's where I get to stay. He goes, you sure? That's where I stay. Nice. And she's been playing, you know, since she was six years old. She's had quite an interesting ride, if you will, because she played uh, mixed team. Yeah. And then she moved to the boys team for quite a number of years and played on the boys team until she was 13. So we went through a number of uh, interesting issues and in politics on the uh. ice because she was the only girl on the team yeah. and she was a goalie. Uh, we went through issues where my daughter had nowhere to change uh, because oh. she wasn't allowed in a change room. Sure. Our worst was behind a concession stand as awesome. myself, uh, my husband, and my ex stood in front to kind of create a bit of a curtain for her. Oh my we goodness. would have dress, but there were also things that certain things that she couldn't put on. Uh, first aid rooms were quite popular. Yeah. Um, the odd time we might get an empty room, but 99% of the time. no. And then she would have to stand outside the change room until all the guys were dressed. So she, she missed a lot of that um, camaraderie. camaraderie that you have in the change room. Uh, and she really had <laughs> to prove herself, really had to prove herself on the ice. One of my proudest moments was she was playing. she had a wicked game. It was amazing. And there were a bunch of um, guys from the midget team that were watching her watching the game, and they were just commenting on how great this goalie was. My God, like he killed it. He killed it, He killed it, He killed it. <laughs> She's coming off the ice and whips her mask off and this long curly hair comes out and they just their jaws dropped and they went, "Oh my God. That's a girl. That's
0: like a movie, isn't it? And I turned and went, I went, <laughs> "Yeah,
1: that's my girl." And she came out and I went, "Good game, kid." And, you know, but they were just like, "Holy, holy smokes, this kid can play." Yeah. And she was she was really good, but she also felt the brunt of being really good on a boys' team. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, and after we, you know, got onto a girls' team. I mean, the, one of the best lines that she had was she had a coach that actually said to her, "Kid, you're really good." But I can't take you because you're a girl, and the boys won't like that.
0: Oh, my goodness. And her
1: response was, that's okay. I'll be playing on the other team. Appreciate it, coach. <laughs> and she really had to go in there with a thick skin. And yeah. there were tears, and they were, you know, your heart broke. But every time I'd say to her, i go, when you don't want to play anymore, you just let us know. Yeah. Because this is about you. It's not about us. Yeah. It's not about anyone reliving their dream of playing hockey. This is about <laughs> you. And now, you know, went straight through high school. We thought this was it. Once we played our last provincial game in Ottawa, it was great. It was sad. And we're way on vacation. And she gets a phone call from the team, uh, from the coach on the women's uh, varsity team at U of T. And says, hey, Kate, I've been watching you play. I'm looking for a third goalie. Why don't you come out to training camp and we'll talk about it. And she goes, I haven't been on the ice last summer. She goes, that's all right. No problem. The women's varsity? Women's. Yeah. Women's varsity hockey team. So um, for for the University of Toronto. So now we're in our fourth year. She's been playing with them for four. She's going into her fourth year as one of their goalies now. Amazing. So, uh, and she never thought she'd play university hockey. And we just said, go as far as you want to go. Does she have aspirations of? I think she'll play through her university years and then she'll, um, she won't necessarily hang the skates up and say, We're done. Uh, she'll probably coach and, and do a little bit of that stuff and get on the ice whenever she can. But now she's she wants to she's got other you know interests in terms of you know what she wants to do as a career and, and whatnot. But she's she has hockey has really given her that sense of what it ne- means to be a team player, to lead your team because you're on the ice the entire time., yeah. all three periods. And her job was to be ev- the eyes and ears of her players. Uh, let alone stopping the pucks. Sure. So often on a, on on the ice, you hear her screaming. Uh, you know, coming on your left side, up your back. You know, you know, ice it, ice it. Like she's she's helping guide them, and that was really important for her to put herself out there and sort of act at, act as that leader. And it's and it's done. It's it's. I think we. I was loving the fact that we were spending our weekends <laughs> on the ice versus my kid hanging out in a mall and I'm not knowing where she was. She was. She became very disciplined. Oh, that's a blessing! And she's still it? really, really disciplined. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm really, we're really proud of her. I mean, she's done amazing. Um, and she's 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 come she's she's broken down a lot of barriers uh, in the sport for herself. And and now it's women's hockey is just huge now. It's it's fabulous to watch. It's such a strategic game. It really, really is. So, yeah. And being in the locker room is always interesting.
0: <laughs> and now, you're, and now your six-year-old.
1: My six-year-old loves to. Express herself in art and in dance.
0: Sonoma um, road trips.
1: I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what kind of road trips we're going to do with her. But she's a. And it's funny because she's got great running form and wants to go running with mom. So I go out for my runs, and then outside her, if you want, you can come out running with me up and down the street. Because I, I'm not. I don't. She's not quite at my distance sure, level sure, right sure. now. But but she's got she's got really good form. So it's actually it's it's kind of sweet. So maybe she'll get into running but she loves to dance so for us it's whatever they want to do that makes them happy and that gives them something that they can focus on nice uh and gives them sort of that path if you will and and then you kind of see where it goes and then we got the younger one the four-year-old the rambunctious little boy who's everything about superheroes and sport and as my mom calls him he's he's mommy's little boy so you know we'll see what he does but uh he he loves anything that's just fun (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> nice. Yeah. How long were you
0: at Omni for?
1: Oh, goodness. So I started at Omni in 99, and, and sadly, our show got canceled in 2013. So almost, wow. yeah, so like 13 or so years at and Omni in various capacities.
0: Obviously, 9 so. 11 was a big story.
1: That was huge. Yeah. Um, what other big stories? Uh, Sharia did you cover? law. Sharia law was a big one when Ontario was looking at adopting Sharia law um oh God I mean the the Af- the Iraq war was was huge wow, stuff yeah. that was going on in Afghanistan was huge. Uh, I mean there were a number of of, of different things. Uh, the tsunami was a really, really big story for us. That's the right. Pakistan earthquake was a big story. I mean even the, even the Gujarat that happened the earthquake that happened in Gujarat India that's sort of what sort of springboarded things for me getting into broadcasting. So it th- there were a number of of amazing things that we did did um, and you know whether it was uh, political events and and elections all the way you know from municipal provincial and federal you covered them all you had opportunities to speak with all the different leaders and uh, you know we really did everything that we could to cover it one of the big ones of course was the um, the Mumbai attacks Uh, that Mm. was a really really big story for us We pretty much were putting our newscast together, and it started off with a text from one of our editors whose mother was at the train station uh, and left the train station 10 minutes before it was bombed. Wow. And got a text from her um, saying, you know, such and such has happened. And at first it was a text, and we started looking at all the wires. Nothing was coming out. Then we started seeing stuff come out. Three people have died, da-da-da-da. Within the hour, it escalated to... Four places have been taken hostage, so-and-so number of gunmen, so-and-so number of people dead. It was, it exploded, and we ended up flipping our entire newscast around. We, um, and we had a very small group of us. It was about seven of us, including our producer and me as the anchor. So we, we had a very small core group of people, uh, including our reporters, and we had to run out and just get as much material as we possibly could, and we did an hour-long newscast on Mumbai. From talking to reporters like that were fly. out there on the fly, we spoke with a woman that was inside the Russian cafe as the as the bombs were going off, and we wow. talked to her, and she told us what was happening. They were how they were they were locked in there, and we got amazing coverage. That funny enough, we started having other media outlets reach out to us and say, "Hey, can you come to an interview about the Mumbai attacks and give us your analysis and and whatnot?" and Which we kind of chuckled with because we were such a small group and bigger organizations that had researchers and writers and people out on the ground were coming to us looking for the information and the analysis and trying to understand the nature of these attacks. And for us, the bottom line was Mumbai changed the way um, terrorism was affecting society. We, we, we knew that in on a regular basis things happen, unfortunately, in, these, uh, I- in South Asia, whether yeah. it's in India or Bangladesh or Sri Lanka or Pakistan. We all know that, and a lot of people are very used to that. But when we had a situation where you had hostage-taking and coordinated attacks and whatnot, we went, wow, okay, mm-hmm. we need to t- take, take a step back here. yeah uh, This is very different, and I think everyone needs to take a step back and take a look at what's happened here because it really did start playing out what we're now seeing uh, as we have seen over the years and over the last few months um, in terms of the types of attacks that have been happening. It's terrifying and it's scary, but we went, holy smokes. And they were coming to us to get analysis on that. Yeah. So that was sort of a really, really big one for us that we were like, okay, we, we, we kind of know what we're doing here. Um, we weren't just a multicultural station. Well,
0: what I, want, I want to ask you about that. Yeah. Like, you know, you're almost 15 years at, yeah. at Omni you know, covering news and issues from a a very specific angle, you know, uh, the multicultural, the ethnic, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, angle. Um, You know, how was it? Is that what you wanted to do? Is that just where you found yourself at the moment?
1: Um, You know, I I find our community fascinating. Uh, Growing up as a young child, we literally had five families. We all hung out on the weekends cuz that's all there was. Yeah. There 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 wasn't our, our temple consisted of the basement of a house. Sure. <laughs> you know because there were no temples. There was there was none of that stuff. So watching the dynamic of the community grow over the years was very fascinating to me to the point that I mean I remember doing stories with regards to, you know, ethnic malls. So, you know, the and they were all like they all had the Indian shops and the jewelry stores and the Saudi stores and the clothing and the grocery. And they're all there. And you're like, oh, my God, this is like a new phenomenon. What's happening here? All we knew was Gerard Street. That was it. And that's where yeah. we went on the weekends. Right. That that's was the right. place to go. Well, all of a sudden you're like, wow, I can go pick up movies like 10 minutes away from home. This is amazing. Um, so I found it quite fascinating how our culture was growing. Yet as a child going to school in an all-girls school, you didn't talk about your culture because it was kind of too weird. Mm. Now, if you talk about, if I were to show up in any kind of Indian outfit or have any mandy or henna on my hands or whatnot, it would be like, wow, that is amazing. I can't believe, I'd love to get that done too because now it's cool and yeah. it's wonderful. So I had a lot of questions. And, I, and, and being able to cover it from a news perspective and getting people's opinions and thoughts, what we realized as well was although it, it appeared that we were covering it from one particular cultural group, we were giving local, national, international news that a good chunk of our demographic was non-South Asian because it, were, it was about issues that affected everyone. Mm. And interestingly enough, what appeared to be a cultural issue was a societal issue. Things big big stories that we talked about domestic violence was a big story I remember the first story I did on domestic violence and that really opened the door for me in terms of constantly asking those questions about um, how what's okay and what's not okay the bottom line is not okay yeah. and you still had people within, within, the, within the groups going well if it's the husband he's got a right and going no one has a right but I remember meeting this woman who had just left her husband and she had her young son with her And she agreed to do an interview with me. We did it all in silhouette to protect her identity. But her face still sticks in my mind because she turned and looked at me on the right side and then turned and looked towards the left, towards her son. And you saw the left side of her, her face was just bruised, fresh. Hmm. She had just been beaten. She had just, and and it made me so mad. Um, But stories like that were about society. They weren't about culture. They were about things that were happening in families anywhere. Yeah. could be your neighbor, could it could be your colleague, uh, and it didn't. And they didn't have to be of a South Asian background for that to affect them. And we found that our, our audience was realizing that and wanting to get more of that. So when we were putting news out there that maybe quote South Asian focus, sure, it was the society was saying this is important news for us. So we to, so I used to get a lot of emails from people saying I watch the newscast and it's great because I can get a whole new perspective on things I'm not seeing somewhere else, but it's about issues that matter to me. Nice. So I think that really opened up the door that you really felt like you weren't in this little, um, pigeonhole, if you will. And then when you branched out and I, you know, came to global, um, this was a community that you were willing to sort of open the doors towards them as well and give them that understanding and that, you know, and en- entrance And South Asians, we need to trust each other, right? Like, you know what that <laughs> is. We need to trust each other sure. and we need to understand and, and um, you had to have that twofold, especially when you're in the media as well, because you're the media. You're either good or you're bad. Yeah. And you're going, no, no, no. I just want to tell your story. I just want to hear what your side mm. is. Um, so yeah, so it was, uh, it was, it was uh, quite fascinating to see to be on that uh, on that side of things and, and to offer that perspective.
0: You hosted a um, a mayoral debate. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Ford was yes. running for mayor, so let me let me ask you this: um, I've ne- I was never ever a fan of of his. Um, although I, I did you know, although I've been in Scarborough since grade five, grade six, mm-hmm. um, but he's, there seemed to be a connection that he had with immigrants.
1: He did. I think Why?: You know,
0: how? Like, I, I don't get it.
1: like Rob Ford was a people's guy. Rob Ford was the guy that would show up at your picnic. Sit down and have a beer with you. And Rob Ford was really great at doing that as a counselor. And he did a lot for for Etobicoke uh, in in terms of bringing forth uh, things that um, uh, people found in in terms of addressing issues that were important to a number of people there. An older demographic, a blue-collar demographic. Um, your guy that you can kind of hang out with, hence the big Ford picnics where everyone, everyone's going to come. Everyone's welcome. Everyone, let's enjoy. And on the cultural side within the immigrants, he understood the immigrant struggle. You're here. You want to make a living. You want to make a living, a, 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 an honest living for you and your family. You came here for a better life. Rob Ford was like, I get it. Give me a call. I want to help you make a better life for your family. And that's who Rob Ford was. The unfortunate thing is, is things cut, uh, uh, spiraled out of hand in his second term, uh, with a number of things that, that came about: the video, the confessions, um, situations where he was out in public, and uh, we could, people could tell that he had um, a couple of drinks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I- it's 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 an interesting dynamic because when you sh- when when Rob Ford passed away. That funeral was massive. Not too far from here. No. Yeah. But it was massive. And that's when you need to take a step back and go, wow. I mean, you're going, okay. So he did a whole bunch of stuff that really upset a lot of people. He put Toronto on the map for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. Um, The Ford family can appear to be rather um, upfront, and some may refer to them as arrogant, if you will. But when it came down to someone giving Rob Ford a call and saying, hey, my, I, we've had our, our power turned off and it's still been turned off and I can't get a hold of one. Can you help me? He would. And the immigrant person needs that handhold. held. I'm going to come here and I'm going to hold your hand and I'm going to help you. And that's what Rob Ford did.
0: There was a TV show. I don't know if it's still on anymore. I can't remember if it was on. HBO or, or one of these other paid channels, mm-hmm. uh, Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, I
1: don't know. Um, it's still on, but yeah.
0: And I, I can't remember the lead actor's name uh, or the actor's name, but but the character's name was, I think, Nucky. Mm-hmm. And he he was that same type of individual where massively corrupt, you know, in the shadows. Yeah. But when it came time to public, you know, helping and doling out money and everything there, there and I go...
1: That's that's rough for people, and that's why a lot of people um, liked him. Yeah, I mean, you know, he was different. He did give out his number. He did, you know, yeah, I'll come. Up. And and many a time, we we heard from people that if they made the phone call, he made a house call. Yeah,
0: he showed which, up. Which, at the door. which is which is great. Exactly. Don't know whether that is a mayor.
1: Well, you know what? You know. You know what? I think if Rob Ford had the right people with him to guide him to control certain situations especially the people that he was around the people that he hung out with maybe things would have been slightly yeah. different but it wasn't and we heard so many different things about people that went to school with the fords and and the kinds of things that happened within school i mean you know, and, and people talk and do this. And that's why I always say I thought Rob Four was great as a counselor. Sure. And I think that's where it should have stayed.
0: Should have stayed in Etobicoke um, Ward 2.
1: And, or wherever that ward was. And and that's where where, where it should have stayed. But um, where it went is unfortunate.
0: Yeah. <sighs> you. Your experience at Omni, you did everything. Yeah. From hosting to writing, producing, to directing, yeah. all that sort of stuff. When yeah. I, I'm going to assume that every single person in, in news has has watched Newsroom, <laughs> <Please>. right? <laughs> is is that any? Is that I loved? I, I love the stuff that Aaron Sorkin does. Yeah. Um, is there any truth, you know, outside of the, you know, the love stories that you know and all that stuff? But is 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 what we see in the newsroom? On the TV show, the newsroom, like a newsroom,
1: it can be. Yeah, not every newsroom. I mean, I had heard stories of chairs being thrown and, and wow. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Never, never experienced it. I have seen, um, I have seen previous anchors getting very angry and and papers being thrown and and refusing to say X, Y, and Z. I won't say this and who wrote this and and that's when you kind of take a step back and go. You know what? It's, it's <laughs> got to be about the team. I, I can't do my job without everybody else that's involved. Um, but there can be that drama. Absolutely, sure. I, I think there was more of that drama back in the day than perhaps you're going to see uh, today because I think we have, there, there's a bit of a different dynamic. Yeah. Um, but uh, what is interesting is, is you can walk into a newsroom and tell when news is really happening right now, when people are on the gun. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) when things are really tense and it is a go 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 situation, and a lot of the times what we don't realize is, um, for example, in our newsroom right now, some reporters are in, some reporters are out. A lot of reporters might be out, and the way we can with with the technology that we have right now, I don't, on average basis, I don't think I edit in the edit bay. I we edit on a laptop. And we feed that information over to uh over to the station. Hmm. So there is a lot of hustle and bustle uh when things break, absolutely. <laughs> um but I don't think it's necessarily always as dramatic. I think it's <laughs> they try, you know, they're gonna they're gonna drum up the, the drama. The drama can be there, but not every time.
0: No not no no time. one has, has suffered a heart attack and died on the
1: not that I am aware of. Like um, we've had someone pass out, but uh and I, had, and, I, and I had a colleague fall asleep at the prompter during a live newscast. <laughs> like That's the person in charge of the prompter? Yeah, or, he was or rolling the <laughs> prompter, and it just kind of stopped, and we were doing a live. And this is why it's very important to always have your printed scripts in front of you. Yeah. There you go. Or enough coffee That's my t- in the, in the <laughs> my, studio. Yeah, exactly.
0: How was it uh, working at CBC? You were there for uh, yeah,
1: not too there, long. Yeah, I was there for a few months yeah. uh, doing radio, which is a lot of fun. Um, very different uh, than from doing television uh, because we always used to joke and say we just show up in our pajamas and no one would know as long as you have the good voice and you've got a good newscast that you put together so I worked for a show called The Hourlies uh, when I was at CBC and it was basically a four and a half minute newscast every hour and the great the one thing I loved about it was you were quite independent so you actually Wrote and put your newscast together every single hour, picked yeah. all your clips and whatnot. Then you headed into a booth similar to this one, actually half the size of this one.
0: <laughs> so this is huge.
1: This is huge. I mean I could I I could go for a run in here. No. <laughs> <laughs> um and you would set the whole thing up, load all your stories in there, and you would so you would read yeah. and you'd look up and watch the time, because you can't go beyond four and a half minutes because then you're gonna get cut off. Read, watch the time. You have the music come up, bring it down, start reading, put in your clips. Duh, duh, duh. Okay, then you got to end it and bring the music back up and say goodbye and then go back out and do it all over again and put together a brand new newscast. And
0: this would run on all, like, CBC stations? Yeah,
1: that would run. And, and uh, one of the big ones um, uh, events that we covered was the ice storm, and I was doing oh, the overnight. Yes. I, was the, I was there for the overnight, so I started at uh, 7 in the evening, and I went till 4 a.m., and we were pretty much Wow. we we were just giving them as much information as we possibly could we were doing live interviews with some of the other um uh with some of the other outlets and uh and, and some of the other areas but we were getting people calling in saying okay well um, thank you we're listening because people were listening on their um wind up radios uh because they didn't have electricity so you really felt a, a, a huge sense of responsibility to sort of Bring out a good, solid newscast that was different every hour. That was giving them as much of an update on everything as you possibly could. Sure. Versus sort of turning out the uh, the same stuff. So, and it was a really great crew over there at the CBC. They were wonderful. Um, and it was uh, radio was a lot of fun. I definitely do it again. Um, in addition to television. So, it, yeah, it was great. But you
0: get into podcasting.
1: I could get into y- podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I can interview you.
0: You could. I, could. I have nothing to say. This oh, you have tons I, to say. No, I just asked the questions. <laughs> um, you, you, So you got fired from, from Omni, which is why you joined or you went to work at Well, yeah, our show
1: got canceled. Okay. So it was, okay, goodbye. South Asian, you know, Omni News, South Asian edition, we're just going to cancel it. Yeah. So I I spent a little bit of time sort of pulling things together and reached out to people and reached out to the news director at Global. And we had a a few, several chats, and they brought me on board as a freelancer. Um, And uh, it was fabulous because it's a great an amazing group of people that were that i'm working with now who are uh very intelligent um and really are outside of the box thinkers which is uh, great so um they brought me on board as a freelancer and then i started filling in anchoring and uh and then more reporting and so things kind of we we expanded things uh in terms of uh the shows that we're doing so on the weekends we have what we call our multi-market um content so we do um on the weekends, I do essentially twelve shows: six at eleven and six at uh, sorry, six at six. You record six actually twelve shows. We we will end up recording about twelve shows. Oh my yeah. goodness! So it's across. across it's gotta be the
0: local, country. I guess. Is that the reason?
1: So we do. We start in the Maritimes and we end in Regina and Saskatoon. So we do, we and we Regina and Saskatoon. You wear
0: like different so. outfits, like in.
1: No, <laughs> no I don't. Because you are Indian, outfit. you know, you change the outfits. Change all, so all the outfits. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't pop behind a tree. No, 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 no. Now i You didn't no, no.
0: change your accent. I didn't for change the... my.
1: I- no, I didn't. No, but um, so, yeah, and that, and that in itself is a, uh, an interesting uh, way of doing things in terms of looking at where news is going as it moves sl- slowly, starts to inch away from conventional yep. towards providing information um, online. And we, with social media and the level of technology that we have, we can access news and, and entertainment and what have you right on our phones. And why not tap into that? Which is what we are working to do. How
0: has Twitter changed, or, or in a larger context, social media changed how you uh, report the news, how you cover the news?
1: Well, it's become a fo- another form of uh, information gathering. Yeah. What, as journalists, what we need to be careful with, uh, with Twitter especially, um, even Facebook as well, is. Twitter is quick and fast, and Twitter is immediate. And sometimes information gets out there that is not necess- may not necessarily be accurate right away. Yeah, um, The death of someone, for example, sure. is, a, is a classic example. Someone hears it, they want to get it out first. And for us, our rule is three solid sources before we go out and confirm that this has happened. Uh-huh. Uh, because you've got to make sure that you're putting the right information that's out there. Uh, Twitter is a great way of putting your information out there. Whoops, as I'm about to fall forward here. <laughs> you okay? <laughs> good. Twitter is a good way of putting that information out there um, to the, the solid information that you have. So whether it's your stories or whether it's me talking, letting everyone that I'm here, meeting up with you, talking uh, on this podcast. Um, but we, you need to be very careful with it because there's so much information that's circulating out there yeah. that you need to make sure that that information is accurate. So it can be mishandled, misused, or it can be a fabulous medium of reaching out to people um, directly. Whether it's hi, I do you have a story idea? Just, is anyone being affected by X, Y, and Z? Versus here's a story about so and so. You might want to watch it. Here's the link. Nice. Um, so it, it it's uh, it's a tricky one, right? And as journalists, you got to really make sure that you're um, you're fact checking you're fact checking things carefully and making sure that. Uh, that information has been confirmed, and we're not just going to run around and re- retweet it without making sure that the information is correct. Uh,
0: There's so much more I want to talk to you about. <laughs> I, I don't have so much time, but just quick, quick sound bites here. Okay. Um, ontario's sex ed curriculum came out. I don't know a year ago, maybe two years ago. Oh, yeah, and the immigrants don't like it.
1: <laughs> love, that's a great. That's a great statement. The immigrants don't like it. <laughs> I think some parents South Asian, are, yes. well, I think overall, some parents are not comfortable with it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> are you going into politics? No,
1: I'm not going into politics based on the people that I've spoken to. Yeah. It's a bit of a dodgy, it's a dodgy subject. But I think primarily because some of the uh, issues, um, subject matter, if you will, that's going to be covered. And the age groups that are going to be exposed to those particular subject matters. Whereas we all knew it was grade five, grade seven. Around that time, you were like, whoa, okay, so this is where babies come from. Wow. And now it's happening a lot sooner. Um, And, uh, you know, to have that conversation at home and and you go, okay, so, you know, is it a big deal? I, I think it's how that information is used. And I do feel sorry for the teachers, especially for those that yeah. <laughs> to teach it.
0: And why are we still debating vaccinations?
1: <laughs> because we're, we're afraid. <laughs> because we're afraid of what we put in our bodies. And, and, and if it, it affects one person negatively, yeah. um, then we're afraid it can affect us all negatively. That's
0: why. And people continue to go to McDonald's and eat billions and billions of burgers. Well,
1: those, those hamburgers are up to way over a billion now. Yeah. So um, Though they do say that their, their, their food is a lot um, healthier. But I can't remember. I think the last time I was in a McDonald's or had anything that was McDonald's was when I was pregnant with my second child. Because that's what pregnancy Does tea, asked right? for. <laughs> <laughs> and then I threw it up 10 minutes later. So there you go. <laughs>
0: so no more.
1: No more. No.
0: Angie, thank you so much. Well, thank you for this was coming. This is a lot of fun. In. I really appreciate it. Let's go watch the baseball game.
1: All right. Go, Jays, go.